I'd like us now to turn to our Sunday school and uh, finish with this class on Christian meditation. I'd like to engage you a bit because for the past three weeks we have been considering this matter of meditation, uh, even Christian meditation. We've been able to cover a lot and I hope that it has been helpful to you. In the first week, we saw the definition and nature of meditation. What did we say meditation is? So we say that meditation is that deep musing or thinking upon heavenly or spiritual matters that we may be strengthened in our faith, our faith upon God and that we may be enabled to glorify God in the way we live thereafter. And then uh, we say that uh, in the nature of meditation, there is the place where we go for meditation, there is what we meditate upon and there is when when we when we meditate where did we say we should go for meditation yes in quiet places we say that we go for meditation in solitary places we look for a quiet place we we look for a place that there are no distractions. What did we say we meditate upon? Just told it to me in the definition. Spiritual matters. We meditate upon spiritual matters. Uh, we do not take... Uh, uh, <clears throat> You know, we do not empty our minds or, or, or take things that are unspiritual or unhelpful for us. And then when did we say we meditate? We should go for meditation. When? <laughs> yes? Anytime. The, the, the time of meditation is left up to us. Uh, it's, it's relative so that we, we, uh, we it's, it's left up to us to decide when we are going to go for meditation but then uh, we should not neglect it as long as we make time for it it's any time and we saw the examples of uh, the times when the people of God in the scriptures have gone for meditation in week 2 we consider the necessity of meditation and why did we say meditation is necessary? Yes? It's necessary because meditation is the instrument, instrument that 
converts head knowledge to heart knowledge. Um, it's that bridge between hearing God's word and doing God's word. In between there is meditation. Yes? It helps us to be godly Christian. So we say that it's necessary, not only because it converts head knowledge to heart knowledge, but also because it helps us to become godly Christians. Surely if the head knowledge that we have of, of the things of God becomes heart knowledge, it's only right to say that it becomes, uh, we become godly Christians and we're going to see part of that today. And then lastly, why did you say that it is necessary? Because the word of God grants that we meditate upon it. God has given us his word that we may meditate upon it. <clears throat> now last week, we considered the question, what happens to us when we do not meditate? In other words, what are the dangers of not meditating? We said three things happen. What are those three things? <laughs> yes, you listened to the audio. Go ahead. So we, <clears throat> what happens? What's the danger of not meditating? Therefore, so if we do, do not meditate, we do not think of uh, sin rightly. Yes, yes, we we forget God's word, um, and and that that leads to. Yes? <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Sorry? We, we, our hearts become hardened. What do, what do we fail? What do we fail to do? Yes, yes. We fail to observe God's providences. We, we, we forget God's word. We forget the sermons we hear the scriptures that we read when we don't meditate we forget the promises that god has given us in his word we forget the threats that god gives us in his word then we fail to 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 observe the providences of god we forget what god has done in the past we because of that distrust god for the things that he has done and for the things that are ahead of us um we 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 uh, idolize our prosperity we waste our sufferings and then we say that we become hard-hearted we forget about sin hmm? we forget the threats of god for sin we forget to do good to others we become hard-hearted we forget about death when we do not meditate all these things really show that um Meditation is absolutely necessary. Today being the last class, I intend to bring to you uh, the how of meditation. I'd like us to consider how to meditate or if you like it in form of a question, you could ask 
how exactly do I meditate? What do I need to know so as to say that I'm equipped and thus able to meditate? That's what I want us to consider. How to meditate. Uh, before we consider a few things that will help us with the how-to of meditation, I'd like for you to consider again that this is not a, th- this is not a thing that you can just pass by and decide whether you need it or not. You've already seen that it is absolutely necessary. God's word demands it and you will not be godly without it. So then this is a serious matter. So, so as, you, as you think of how, how to do it, please have it at the back of your mind that this is not a trivial thing. It's a serious matter. It should be taken thus, seriously. You should be very serious in the way you think about meditation, especially when you go to meditate. So as you, as you think of how to uh, perform this duty, you, you, you want to take it seriously. This is not a trivial matter. It should not therefore be trivialized. It's not a casual matter. It should not therefore be casual, ca- be taken casually. Um, <clears throat> now, being that you are spending time to think upon spiritual things, um, the things of God, then you, 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 you want to be serious, right? You want to take them seriously. As one who understands what they are doing. As one who understands who it is that they are thinking about. So, as you think about how to meditate, I'd like you to be serious about this matter. Be very serious. So then you are to meditate out of love for God and for the glory of God. Um, God has loved you. He has placed his love upon you. And would it be too much to ask that you meditate upon him uh, whom your soul now ought to love back? It's it's, it's not too much to ask. God has been good to you. Is it too much for God to ask you to meditate upon His goodness, upon your life? Hmm? You who claim to have tasted the goodness of God, is it too much to ask you to meditate upon it? No, it's not too much. God has truly been gracious to you. And will you lack the grace, this grace of meditation, upon the one who by grace saved you. So th- this, is, this is a thing that is needful for you. So, so even as you think about how to do it, please remember all that we have been considering. You are to come to your place of meditation because you love God. And really all the duties that we perform in our Christian lives are performed out of love for God primarily because we love Him who loved us first. So, so come to your place of meditation because you love God. Because you can't imagine not musing, not deeply thinking upon Him who has laid His love on you. Hmm? You can't imagine not thinking upon uh, spiritual things concerning this that has saved a wretch like you. Come to Him because you love Him. Come to your place of meditation because you love God. Come to your place of meditation because um, you want to glorify God for the glory of God that you may get, uh, that, that, that God may get glory from you obeying Him in this duty of meditation. Delight in godly things and let meditation not lack in the list of godly things that you delight upon. 
Now, how, how do we meditate? Like us to consider five things. You know how to meditate because you meditate at the best time possible. Number one, meditate at the best time possible. Number two, meditate after reading. How do you do it? You meditate at the best time possible. You meditate after reading. You Number three, meditate upon one topic at a time. Number four, you meditate while examining yourself. Then number five, you meditate prayerfully. Let's consider those things one after the other. How do you meditate? Meditate at the best time possible. Meditate at the best time possible. Do not come to offer God that which you will not give humans. Thinking about spiritual matters actually requires your your thinking cup, as they call it. It requires you to think. This is not a thing that you should seek to do when you are the sleepiest. When 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 sleep is knocking you off. It's, it's not a thing that you should seek to do when you are the most tired. Meditate at the best time. You want to know how to meditate? This is where you begin. It's not a thing that you are to do necessarily out of duty. It's a thing that you do out of love for God and for His glory. I mean, it's, it's like reading the Bible and praying. You want to pray at the best time, right? You don't want to pray when you're extremely exhausted. You will sleep in your prayers. Just like reading the scriptures. You don't want to read them when you're extremely tired. Do you? You're, going to, you're not going to understand what you're reading. I mean, for any Christian really, the mere reading of God's word grants understanding. Because the spirit of God is living in us and is illumining our minds to understand it. But if you do it when you're extremely tired, of what benefit will it be to you? Similarly with meditation, you don't want to do it when you're extremely tired, completely exhausted, eh? even yawning. No, you, you, you want to, 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 to do it when you're the freshest, if you will. John Owen says here, quote, The best time is that for which will cost you something. We must not at any time seek to serve God with what costs us nothing. Nor must we dedicate any time that does not demand self-denial. We must not expect to grow in spiritual mindedness if we only give God time for worship when we have nothing else to do. Or those times, uh, or those times when because of tiredness we are not fit for anything. End quote. And that's simply what he's saying. That we should not uh, give, we should not we should not seek to meditate because we have nothing else to do now. Hmm? Some of us won't want to, to do anything spiritual, leave alone meditation, when they have nothing else to do. Hmm? When you have done everything else and, and you're thinking, what else do I do now? That's when you want to do spiritual, spiritual things. Leave alone meditation. And so I, I'm, I'm telling you that the way to meditate is not to do it when you are completely exhausted. 
when you cannot gain anything for it. This is not how we ought to take any means of grace, really. And meditation is included there. But then you say, Pastor, I am so busy. I am extremely busy. And I cannot get time for it. Leave alone the best time. I don't have time for meditation. How am I going to dedicate the best time for it? And to this I respond, Dear Christian, what better business do you have that could surpass your performance of your spiritual disciplines? What better business do you have in this world? Hmm? That you have no time for them. I mean, consider with me, why did God place you on this earth? Hmm? Did God place you here so that you may have so much money? So that you may be so busy and forget Him who made you? Is that why God, God created you? Not quite. Not quite. Can you really say that you have not any moment for God, your Lord whom you claim to exist for? And so there's really no excuse for, for not meditating. And the way you do it is you give it your best time. You want to know how to meditate? This is where you begin. By giving it your best time. By making sure that you set aside your best hours. Now, we do not believe that the Bible should be read in the morning or in the evening or in the afternoon. There is no dogmatic time that the Bible tells us that we are to perform spiritual matters. Um, but we see the, uh, especially the psalmist, commending the morning hours. Because the way God has naturally made things is we go to sleep, we wake up when we are fresh. And before you do anything else, you are to perform your spiritual disciplines. Is there any, any comment on that or question? Yes? <clears throat> so how do we meditate? We, we meditate at, at the best time possible. Number two, we meditate after reading. Meditate after reading. <clears throat> you say that Christian meditation is not like that of the world where you're, you're encouraged to think of nothing or to empty your mind. Christian meditation requires you to actually have something in your mind for you to be able to do it. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1. Someone read verse 8 for us. Shall meditate on it day and night, 
you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So notice there that <coughs> Bible says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth shall not depart from your mouth what that presupposes is that it is actually read right it is read um it's not a thing that uh, we do not we can't meditate upon nothing and this is where we go opposite ways with with the world and their meditation meditative ways for meditation to be safe for our meditation to be right it must be grounded upon the word of god and so when he says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth joshua is actually being told read the law know the law let it be in your mind so while we do not want to empty our minds we also don't want to think our own thoughts Hmm? We don't want to be philosophical and coming up with things that we imagine for ourselves. We want to think God's thoughts after him, as it were. And the way we do this is by reading God's word. And when we read God's word, we, it comes to our mind. Hmm? We want to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Setting our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3. And so, for us to think about things that are above, or to muse upon things that are above, what must happen? We must read the scriptures. So, you want to meditate after reading. You meditate after reading. Now, the human mind is able to come up with all sorts of things and think upon them to the point of believing them to be true you have the capacity to actually think about useless things and think that those things are true that's why we have all sorts of idolatries and religions in this in this world and because of this then we need the objective standard of the word of god we need it to govern our meditations now you quickly realize upon faithful meditation that you will be wrestling a lot in your thoughts and you will want to wrestle with the truth to understand and digest it you don't want to wrestle with with error so so that when you are meditating you are wrestling with the things of god you're thinking upon spiritual matters you're digesting them now if you have uh, if you have no word of god in your mind if you are thinking upon your own things, unfortunately, uh, this is not Christian meditation. Hmm? Thomas Watson says here, quote, Be sure you read before you meditate, that you may say it is written. Meditate on nothing but what you believe to be a truth. Believe nothing to be a truth but what can show its letters of credence from the word? Reading without meditation is unfruitful. Meditation without reading 
is dangerous. End quote. And the point there is made that that we are to read the word of God and we are to meditate upon it. We are to read good Christian literature and thus we would be enabled to meditate upon deep spiritual matters so that our meditation should come after reading. We have to read. We have to engage our minds. And what we read is especially the word of God that we may be enabled to meditate. So Joshua is told there, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And then it's after having the book of the law, not departing from his mouth because it's in his mind, because he read it, that he's told, but you shall meditate on it day and night. It's only after reading the word of God that we may be able to meditate upon it. Because we have something in our minds to think upon. Number three, how do you meditate? Meditate upon one topic at a time. Meditate upon one topic at a time. Take one subject and concentrate your mind on it. Surely, you do not read multiple books all at once, do you? Unless you're, you're doing research. For you to get anything from the reading that you, that, that you do, you take one book. You open it, you read it, you read it. When you finish, you take another one. And that's how you benefit from your reading. This same principle applies for meditation. For you to benefit from the things that you meditate, you should take one topic, one subject at a time. When a lion wants to feed, she does not uh, um, seek to get all the antelopes in the field. Does she? She knows that if she has no target, she will get none. So she identifies one and follows it till she has a meal. Similarly, when we want to meditate, we should identify one subject. And that one subject should be what we concentrate our minds upon, to meditate upon it. And we will be well fed like that lion. If it's your day's experience, take that. If it's eternity, be it heaven or hell, take that. Think upon that. If it is the state of your own soul, take that and think upon it. If, if, it's, if, it, if it's the promises of God, take one promise at a time and think upon it. If it is sin, whatever sin that, it may, that may be plaguing you, take it and meditate upon it. If it is the excellency of Christ or the subject of the Holy Spirit, take one subject at a time. Whatever it is, take one at a time and think deeply upon it and you will reap much from this duty of meditation. David did not throw all the stones that he had at Goliath. Did he? No, he did not. He threw one stone and it accomplished the purpose for which he sent it. If he would have thrown the five stones, uh, chances are he would not have killed Goliath. If he would have missed with his first stone, he would not therefore resort to taking all the stones to throw at him. He would take another stone and throw at Goliath. And the point there is made. This is how we meditate 
we take one truth we muse upon it like a carpenter who uh, who takes one nail and uh, uh, drives it in the, the, the wood or whatever building he's, he's making he takes another, another nail and drives it in that's how we should meditate we should take one subject at a time one truth at a time is there any question or comment there? So how do we meditate? We meditate at the best time possible. We set aside the best time. We meditate after reading. We meditate upon one topic at a time. And then number four, we meditate while examining ourselves. Meditate while examining yourself. This point and the you know this this fourth point and the next fifth point are plainly logical. You are meditating on, you're meditating so that you may be godly. And so, and so then, if, if you're meditating so that you may be godly, it tells you that the way you meditate is while examining yourself. For you to be formed into a godly Christian, you must examine yourself upon the things that you meditate. Otherwise, why are you meditating? What's the point of it? You want the things that you are meditating upon to bear fruit in you, and the beginning of the bearing of this fruit is that self-examination that causes your heart to be changed, transformed, renewed. In this case, by the things that you're meditating upon. Because Christ is the bread of life, the light of the world, and the way and the truth and the life. You want to ask your soul whether it is fed and full with this bread. You want to ask your soul whether it sees and feels uh, light, this light shining brightly inside. You want to ask your soul whether it is following this way everywhere. You want to ask your soul whether it is believing this truth for freedom. Because the truth sets free. You want to ask your soul whether it is alive through this life-giving spirit. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus is the bread of life. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And you could apply that to all the I am sayings of Jesus Christ. You want to think upon them in a self-examining way. That's how, you, that's how you meditate. Because the heart is deceitful above all else, you want to ask your soul whether there is any way in which you are walking in deceitful ways, being deceived by your own heart. Following the inclinations of the heart that are not necessarily godly. This is why you meditate. That you may examine yourself. So, so you meditate at the best time. You set aside that uh, time that you will profit the most. You meditate um, after reading. You read. You read spiritual things. You, you seek to understand them. And then you meditate upon the things that you read one subject at a time. And then you seek to examine yourself as you read these things. Otherwise, you, you will be performing a, a, a useless task because meditation is going to, your meditation is going to quickly evaporate from you. Because the grace of God has appeared to those groups of people that the Apostle Paul tells Titus to address that we have seen there in Titus. Chapter 2, 
you want to ask your soul whether this grace is indeed training you to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. When you meditate, you want to examine yourself and ask, am I a godly person? Am I being helped by these things? What are the evils in my heart that, needs to, that need to be removed? Am I living a self-controlled life? Am I living an upright life? Am I renouncing ungodliness, worldly passions? You meditate while you examine yourself. So the truths that you take in when reading, the truths that you take one at a time, they may be deep-seated in your heart. Meditation, combined with self-examination, helps you to look intently at yourself in the mirror of God's word and keeps you from going away and at once forgetting how you look like. Do you know where I get those words? Eh? From Pastor James. When you do not examine yourself, you risk wasting your meditation. Because you are meditating so that it may not only glorify God, but that it may actually help you. That you may be a godly Christian, as we, as we saw uh, in the past. Then number five, and lastly, meditate prayerfully. Meditate prayerfully. If you had wanted to know how to meditate, at least this should guide you um, in this discipline. And there's a sense this uh, applies to, uh, you know, a means of grace like, like the study of the scriptures. You meditate at the best time possible. You meditate after, after reading. You meditate upon one topic at a time. Meditate while examining yourself. And lastly, meditate prayerfully. The Christian man is the praying man. One cannot quite be a Christian without praying. For at the heart of prayer is communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? When we pray, we commune with God. Spurgeon said, quote, when asked what is more important, prayer or reading the Bible, I ask, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? End quote. And Spurgeon was saying this to show that both prayer and scripture reading are absolutely necessary for the spiritual life of any Christian. Now, medita meditation should should be closely followed by a prayerful heart by the discipline of prayer now listen to this prayer is like the seal that keeps the flies out of the ointment prayer prayer locks the truth of god's word in your heart so you are to pray over all that you meditate upon Surely you desire those things that you meditate upon to be wrought in your heart, don't you? I mean, I am, I, am, I am calling you to grow in the discipline of meditation 
so that the truth of God's word may be deep-seated in your heart, so that head knowledge may be turned to heart knowledge, as we saw. And so you, 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 want to, you, you want these truths to be wrought in your heart, because from the abundance of the heart, Jesus says the mouth speaks. Prayer is that ins- instrument that does exactly that. It rots the things of God in the heart of the meditative Christian. That's what prayer does. So, so I cannot overemphasize this matter of prayer. Whatever you meditate upon, pray. When you read and you want to meditate, pray. Pray, pray, pray. As you meditate on all that you do, pray over it. You want to lock all your meditations in your heart. And the way to lock them is by praying. Prayer is like that padlock that locks every of your meditation. Locks them in. And you know about padlocks. I mean, there's a whole market for padlocks in our, our third world countries. Uh, we, are, we are not yet advanced to have... Uh, uh, some modern locks. We still we still use padlocks, and you know the purpose of a padlock is to lock the thief out. This is what prayer does. It locks the evil one out. He cannot get in to take away the truth that you have had. Do you remember that passage that we read in Matthew? The evil one comes, snatches away the truth from the hearers. Prayer. Is that lock that helps meditation to be useful. Or the things that we meditate upon to be deep-seated in our hearts. To be in our hearts and to be locked in there, not to come out. We pray upon everything that you meditate upon. Is there any question or comment before I conclude? Anything? Or are you meditating upon the things that you're hearing? Hmm? That would also be good. <clears throat> so in conclusion, I'd like us to consider that I, I began telling you to meditate out of love for God and for the glory of God. And now, I want to conclude by telling you to meditate so that you may do the things wherein you engage. And I want to encourage you to meditate lastly so that you may do the things that you're meditating upon. They're only helpful to you if they are practiced in your life. They are exercised. You do not only want to meditate for the sake of it. You do not only want to meditate and lock your meditations in your heart. Eventually, you are to meditate, locking all your meditations in your heart so that you may do the will of God. So that you may faithfully follow God so that you may exercise especially those things that God requires of his people again you say that meditation is that bridge between hearing God's word and doing God's word right at the middle there you have meditation and it is only when you meditate upon what you have heard that you would be able to do it 
So if you could quickly glance at Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 again. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we must not only seek to meditate, we must as well seek to obey. We are not only to be found meditating, really that meditation, Joshua is told, should cause him to be careful to do according to all that is written. Meditation and obedience go hand in hand. They go together. And for obedience to be sweet, it must be done through this discipline of meditation. Because meditation is to be done out of love for God. Let me, let me repeat that. Meditation and obedience go hand in hand. And for obedience to be sweet, it must be done through this discipline of meditation because meditation is to be done out of love for God. So, so, so you cannot have meditation and not be obedient. When you have meditation without obedience, that meditation evaporates. It's as though it's useless. It's as though it, it was not done. In the end, after you meditate, you want to marvel at the greatness of God. You want to bow before God and worship Him. And you want to obey all His righteous rules. This is what meditation produces in the heart of the Christian who is meditating. So the action that meditation grants is this. Joshua is told that you are to meditate on it, that law of God, day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So you meditate on it, that law, and then you do it. You meditate on it, that law, and then you follow it. So you, you, don't, you don't only want to meditate for the sake of it. You want to meditate that you may become a godly Christian, and the way you, are, you show that you are a godly Christian is by your increased desire to obey the rules the righteous rules of God. It's how you have true religion, my friends. And unfortunately, the religion that we see today is, is neither true, leave alone it being practical, uh, what Israel calls practical religion. It's not. This right here is true religion. You set aside your best time. You read the best writing in the world. You uh, take one truth at a time, thinking deeply upon it. You meditate upon it uh, uh, in a self-examining way. You meditate upon it prayerfully and then produces fruit in you. Perhaps the reason why most of us, if not all of us, have no fruit 
abounding in our Christian lives is because we do not meditate like this. The farmer does not only think deeply upon how to obtain a bountiful harvest, does he? Does he? No. He doesn't only think of how he is going to uh, harvest a lot, how the prices of maize have gone down and the, the prices of fertilizer have gone down. He doesn't only do that. He thinks deeply upon it and actually goes ahead to sow that he may reap. Right? Similarly, you have to think about sin. Think about death. Think about Christ. Think about life. Think about all things that are in God's law so that you may live accordingly. You want to meditate upon them so that you may live according to how God requires you to, to live. You meditate upon the excellency of Christ so that you may prize him the most. So that he may be the most precious. You meditate upon the attributes of God so that you may be enabled to bow before the true, the one true triune God. You meditate upon the, the, the narratives that are given so that you may learn. That's what Paul tells us. That the things that were written in the past, they were written so that we may learn out of them. That we may know the way in which to walk. I mean, you read the word of God, you hear this is your way walking in it, so that you may walk in it. Not so that you may simply know, not so that you may simply think of how, uh, how this way looks like, how excellent it is, but that you may actually walk in that way, that way of God. Indeed, when the psalmist says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, that light, that lamp lights the way so that you may walk in it, so that you may live according to the word of God. And that's what meditation should eventually do. It should help you to glorify God the most and it should help you to live the godliest life that you could ever live. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that this discipline of meditation is not a thing that you can overlook. It's not a thing that you can just pass by. Unfortunately, most of us struggle to even read, read the text of God's word. I challenge you this morning. As we think about how to meditate, that we may actually engage in this matter. The word of God is filled with this command to meditate. I mean, this text here in Joshua is, is well known. But what is it well known for? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then, it's known for that last part there. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And people just want the prosperity and the success that are in there without the work of reading the law, having it not depart from our mouths, having it deep in our hearts, seated there, locked in there, uh, meditating upon it, doing it, following the will of God, knowing and following the will of God that we may live by it. 
so the end really of meditation is that you may you may do the things wherein you engage the things that you meditate upon is there any question or comment before I finish like to end it there So we are, we are, we've really gone through this matter so that we may, even this last class on how to meditate so that we may actually meditate. And let me call you to this discipline. Let's pray that God may, may truly help us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able to go through a couple of classes on this discipline of meditation. Your word grants that we meditate. For us to be like that tree that has been planted by the streams of water, we are to meditate upon your law day and night. So that your word grants it. The saints of old have written about it. uh, Having considered this matter carefully. And thus then we ought to pay careful attention to it. And you help us to be found every day of our lives engaging in this discipline of Christian meditation. Keep us from the folly of the times that we live in. Times that we live in have no regard for your word, no regard for spiritual matters, no regard for meditation. The times that we live in have a skewed view of what meditation is about. Yet your word grants that meditation is especially about your revealed will, that we may think deeply upon it, your works of creation and providence, that we may deep, deeply think about them. Uh, uh, the things of the past and the things of the future, the things that you're doing now, the things that you have done in the past, and the things that you will do in the future that we are to think upon spiritual matters you keep us from being swayed away by the currents of present time help us to be firmly anchored in uh, your son the Lord Jesus Christ in in your word may you help us Lord to be Christians who meditate Really, the things that we see here show that this discipline is the most helpful. When it is taken seriously, when it is done properly, produces and bears much fruit in the lives of your people. As the year comes to an end, Lord, may you help us to resolve, even as we make resolutions for a new year, to resolve to be meditative Christians. Those who meditate upon your law, day and night so that we may be enabled to do according to all that we read in it bless us with these things lord hear our prayers for we ask humbly ask in jesus name amen